0: Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pod, episode six hundred and seventeen for November thirtieth, twenty nineteen. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week our guest is Bart Bouchas with Programming by Stealth episode or installment eighty seven of X. Hey Bart. Well, hello there. Well, <sighs> I've been slogging away on this homework and man <laughs> I, I I think I'm I'm technically been done for a while and I did just fine, but then I tried to do some enhancements and it's been what did I tell you? It's the opposite of uh, I have made fire kind of weak. It's more like I feel like I'm falling off my tricycle, and you and Dorothy are like flying helicopters over me. <laughs> so.
1: I think you said driving a Ferrari or a sports car, but I'll take a helicopter. That sounds even cooler.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I, I've i got training wheels on my tricycle and I'm still falling off. And uh, Dorothy showed me her code and, and the results and it's spectacular. It's just beautiful. And I'm like, I can't make a drop down by myself yet.
1: <laughs> I'm getting there though. I was just going to say, you're continuing to make progress. And I, you know, we've come a long way because... Do you know how I know that? Because you can look at a piece of code and see its beauty.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know if I saw the code's beauty. I saw the output's beauty. She was all bootstrappy, and she's got like flags and check boxes, mm-hmm. and everything's gridded up beautifully. And mine is functional and looks like horse poop, but uh, it's okay.
1: <laughs> well, s- step one is make it go. Step two, make it pretty. Yeah,
0: but she's, she yeah. makes it go and makes it pretty. But she does always point out that she's got like 25 years of programming experience. So it's possible that that gives her a little bit of an edge. I don't know. I should bloody well
1: hope so. <laughs> but being someone who spends a lot of time writing code, I would like to think I'm getting some value out of it.
0: But her patience with me, even when I'm snarky like I was with her today, is uh, uh, a talent that cannot be learned.
1: Anyway, what are we doing yes, today? Sir. Today we are continuing the second half of our exploration of another one of the hats that JavaScript objects are forced to wear, the most peculiar hat of all, the hat of being a function, which is, I i have written in many languages, and objects are used for a lot of things in many languages. I don't know a single other language that implements functions using the object concept. It it's maybe there are other ones and I just don't I haven't realized that, but JavaScript is definitely special in certain ways. And <laughs> this is certainly one of those ways. But anyway, so in our Redux, where we've been looking at all the different hats, we've sort of done a mix of recapitulating everything we've encountered collected together instead of, you know, spread across many, many installments. Uh, but when it came to functions, we split it in half and pretty much everything we did last time was a redux, right? There was almost nothing new, if anything at all. It was, you know, redoing what we'd done before, but all together.
0: I well, feel like a lot of what you told me before had it's shaken loose like uh, like screws on an engine, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And and <laughs> you kind of screwed them back in, put some Loctite on them. I think it it's definitely been really, really helpful for me.
1: Well, that's good, because that is what I was hoping to achieve with these Reduxes and updates. Um, so it was all Redux last time, which means today is all update. Oh,
0: good. Or You mean it's all Basically,
1: new? Basically. It's all new, and it's all ES6. Okay. Like, I, I know I, I have tried to wax lyrical about how much of an improvement to the language ES6 was. But, like, really, you know, promises are ES6. Everything we do today is ES6. Most of the cool stuff we learned about dictionaries was ES6. Most of the cool stuff we learned about arrays that was new was ES6. Pretty much everything we've done in this Redux that was new was ES6 goodness. I mean, it, it was such a revolution for the language. And today, today I'm hoping to fill you with excitement for for more ES6 goodness. Um, and it's also why IE has to die, because IE doesn't do any of the ES6 stuff. Internet IE Explorer has you're to die. talking about, right? Yes, indeedy. Okay. And while we're all looking forward to the shiny new Chrome, which is based off uh, Chromium, so not Chrome, the shiny new Edge, which is based off Chromium, and then Microsoft will have a compatible browser. Although current Edge isn't bad, it's just not finished. So new Edge hopefully will be better. Anyway, um, the first thing we would normally do is look at the results of the My Sample Solution to the Challenge. but. I've decided for two reasons to push the challenge out until next time. The first reason is that while last time's installment was extremely short to write, and it sounded in English extremely easy and simplistic, and then I went to do my sample solution. (laughs) Turns out, when I was four hours in, I was like, this is not quite as I thought it would be. So I wasn't alone in experiencing that. And the other thing is, in order to get the homework to work, it actually, and in hindsight, I should have realized this, it's all about the jQuery, right? Because I'm asking you to make things disappear. Well, that's manipulating the DOM. You're taking things out of the DOM. And they ask you to make new cards. Well, that's manipulating the DOM. That's putting things into the DOM. So that's that's something jQuery is really good at and a really important jQuery muscle that we haven't flexed in months. Right, right. It, it's not new. It's just way, 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 way back there. We need to blow a lot of cobwebs away.
0: I do so, have to tell you that I did succeed at making the cards go away, but you'll mm-hmm. notice I said that in the plural. <laughs> I can make ah, them all go away. I have yet to figure out how to make one go away. Well, it it, it,
1: <laughs> it comes down to dumb manipulation, right? It's you are using, you are programmatically pulling out HTML tags and throwing them in the bin or making new HTML tags and shoving them into the structure of the document somewhere, which is what jQuery is really, really, really good at. But again, it's a muscle we haven't flexed in a while. Yeah. So I think the next Redux we do should be jQuery. And which meant that if, if we were going to do the sample solution this week, I would have had to put a jQuery in between functions part one and functions part two. And that seemed like a really bad idea. So myself and yourself had a little bit of a chat and we decided to extend the assignment or the challenge by an, a, a, a two weeks at an installment. And then next time I'm going to use my sample solution as the bulk of the body of the installment because it's a really good example of dumb manipulation, which is what I want to talk about anyway. Okay, But if some of our listeners have you know, done what we asked and have the challenge finished, and they're now cranky because, well, I'm done. What, what do you <laughs> want me to do for the next two weeks? Nothing? Well, there's the option of some top-up bonus extra credit if you'd like. So the last, the challenge last time was to make the cards disappear and to have the ability to add new cards. What I, If you want bonus credit, I would like you to create some sort of user interface which will allow the users to choose the rows that appear in the cards. So the cards define a base currency, so you can make a new base currency already to finish the challenge. But can you also allow the user to specify what each base currency should be compared to? And I think the hardest part is going to be designing a UI that's intuitive.
0: So this is actually what I've been working up towards doing, is trying to create a, a, a list that people could choose from but i've been i I got stuck for the last week trying to do that just that uh and I, we don't have to get into what I was trying to do specifically, but this is what I was kind of trying to do for the uh to provide a drop down for people to choose the base and then separately mm. to use that same data format to allow them to populate the cards with the with the uh, data they want
1: yeah and i i don't really know of the best ui for it so i'll be really curious what people come up with because yeah it's actually it's a it's an obvious thing to want mm-hmm. but it's not an obvious thing how to design it so that it's user-friendly yeah which is
0: a Bart, good illustration talking about on life. the side about this was uh if you find yourself writing uh dear user please check this box then go over here and do this and do that and then you're going to get this <laughs> you know if you find yourself writing a lot then you haven't done the ui correctly
1: pretty much yeah I'm real that, that's good it at making exactly those, though <laughs> <laughs> okay so what are we doing today then so that's that's set aside our that's as much as we're going to do in the challenge today so today what i really want to teach you is a new kind of function that came into being in ES6 so ES6 brought us the async function which is already a new type of function but it also created an even more esoteric type of function called a generator function. And that's actually what I want to tell you about today. But to tell you about generators, I need to tell you about something you already half know about. We've just been very, very hand-waving about it. I've used these vague phrases like array-like. And a for-of loop can iterate over things that are like arrays that's not a that's not an actual specific term I, I i was i'm surprised you let me away with being so fuzzy but i'm kind of glad you did because i wasn't quite ready to answer you until this week okay so esx introduced a new concept called an iterator and i've known about them and i have we've all used them in fact every single person who has ever written a for all loop has used an iterator they just didn't know they were using an iterator and so I've known about them and I've known they're important and I've used them sort of in passing, but I didn't really understand them fully, which is why I was rather hoping you wouldn't ask me any questions about them. <laughs> okay. I, now, I now do understand them fully and I, I now love ES6 even more than I did before. So the reason an iterator was introduced, the reason the concept was added to the language was because there are lots of things you might want to loop across. Anything that is a sequence of values should be loop-acrossable, to coin a terribly cumbersome word. I agree. So the concept of a loopable thing was given a name in ESX, and that name is it was said to be iterable.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And in order to make a standard way of doing that, a standard way of looping over anything loopable, The language defined the specification that is called in the documentation the iterator protocol. So anyone writing a JavaScript library like jQuery can choose to implement the iterator protocol and make their stuff be iterable. And Hmm. jQuery did that. So we can use for of loops to loop over jQuery things because jQuery is iterable which is cool. So let me so see if I
0: can say it again. So jQuery used the the protocol for iterable stuff.
1: The iterator protocol, if we're going to give it iterator, its fancy pants official Iterator name.
0: protocol, okay.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to put a bit more meat on that before we go too much further. So the iterator protocol is the key. Now, what I'm not going to do is tell you how to use the iterator protocol yourself to make your own iterator <laughs> objects, because frankly, that's, that, that's like, What's more difficult to fly than a helicopter?
0: (laughs) Uh, Supersonic jet.
1: Yeah. Uh, Even the syntax is weird. I did look up how to do it because I was curious, and I can do it if needed. I just don't see the need to. Anyway, we're not going there. We're going to to use iterables, and then we're going to use generator functions to make our iterables for us without ever having to learn the iterator protocol. Hmm. So some more English to put on this. Not English. Jargon. Sounds English. They're English words, but
0: the opposite of English.
1: Yeah. So, an object which can be iterated over is said to be iterable. Okay. So, an array is iterable because the array prototype implements the iterator protocol. So, an array is iterable. A string is iterable. A jQuery object is iterable. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. All iterables can produce an iterator object on demand. Being iterable means that you can be asked at any stage, Oi, you spit out an iterator object.
0: What is an iterator object?
1: That is the mechanism by which iteration is going to happen. So th- for now, the point is. If you are iterable, it means that you can barf out one of these iterator objects on demand. So we're going to talk about what they are in a moment, right? But to be iterable means you can produce one of these. Okay. And one of these provides a spectacularly important function, dot next. So every iterator object has a function named dot next. And every time you call that function, you will get handed back a dictionary, a very small dictionary, a dictionary with exactly two keys. The first key is very confusingly called value and contains the next thing, right? So if it's an array, the first time you, so if you have an array, you can make it spit out an iterator object. And then on that array object, you would say .next, and you will get back a dictionary, and the first key will be value, which will contain the first thing in the array. And the next time you were to call .next, the value key would have the second element in the array. And the next time you call .next, the value would be the third thing in the array. .next does what it says in the tin, if you get what I mean. The second key... I'm... Back me up. Okay, back me up. Okay, I'm
0: lost. So we, we had an uh, iterable what? Where did we start? An iterable okay. object?
1: Yes. So you have something that's iterable. Let's say to be concrete. Iterable. Yeah. So then, to be concrete, let's say it's an array.
0: Okay, it's an array. But it's an iterable. Give me so a all arrays
1: are iterable. So if you have an array, you have an iterable.
0: But I've got an iterable thing. In this case we're gonna yes. use an array as an example. And it can spit out an iterable object, and an iterable object can have .next on it, and .next is going to give us a a key that is called value.
1: Right. Okay, so an iterable produces an iterator object. So the array is the iterable, and it spat out an iterator. So iterable is the thing which can be iterated on, and the iterator does the iterating. Like a conductor does right, the conducting. I can't We're gonna have a practical example here in a moment. Okay. But I
0: I'm I'm absolutely not with you. Just okay, so, you know, so let, me you let me try again.
1: Let me let me let me try. Third time's a charm. <laughs> the array is iterable.
0: It has the yes. capability of being iterated over. Yes. It is iterable.
1: Yes. So when you want to iterate, you say to the array. Give me an iterator object.
0: That's what I don't know what it, that is. That does that abstraction doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Okay, well, for now, you're just going to have to accept that it, 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 the whole point of it is it is an abstraction, that is its function in life. Every iterable, no matter what it is, can produce an iterator object, and the only thing that means, right, the only meaning of an iterator object is that it contains a function named .next. Hmm. So you know that the thing you're handed Has a dot next function. Okay. So you say to the array, I want to iterate over you, give me an iterator object, and it hands you an object. You now know that you can say dot next. Okay. Over and over and over again. So the first time you say dot next, you get handed the first thing. The second time, you get handed the second thing. The third time, you get handed the third thing. The fourth time, you get handed the fourth thing. Right? That's what an iterator object is for. It has one function, called.next, and each time it just gives you the next thing. Okay. That's its job in life. The slight complication is that what it gives you is actually a dictionary containing two things. The value, and whether or not it's the last one. Hmm. How else would you know when to stop? Okay. So that what you get back is a very small dictionary with two keys. Value and done. Done will always be a Boolean, true or false, and value could be anything, right? So if your array right. has buggers, snot, and poop, then the first time you call next, you'll get back a dictionary, value colon buggers, done colon false. The oh, next okay. time you get, yeah, so Got the it. second time you get whatever I said was second, done colon false. Okay, and eventually done will become true because you've run out of array. Okay. Right, that's it that is actually the entirety of iterators covered it's just a little bit weird you have an iterable which makes an iterator which has a dot next function that's it that's what you need to know but let's okay. do, let's get it a little practical right thankfully that's that's it right there is no dot previous there's no reset an iterator object is a snapshot in time designed to go through the thing Once and then to be discarded. It is not permanent. It is a device for doing your iteration once. It has no lifetime. It has no usefulness at all once you're finished with it, right? It will go from the start to the end and then it is done. It is an X object. It is useless.
0: That's interesting.
1: If you want to do it again, you say to the original array, yeah, give me another one of those, please. I want another iterator, please. So your iterator object is entirely ephemeral. Entirely disposable, entirely temporary. The iterable is the thing that matters. And the end result will be that you have called next a bunch of times. But the thing you're calling next on is is throwaway. It's temporary. And,
0: And once you've called next, you're doing something with it. It's not like the next stuff continues to exist unless you put it somewhere.
1: Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You have to, yes, exactly. Once it's spatted out, that's it you're never getting it again so you'd better have saved it somewhere or printed it somewhere or logged it somewhere or, you know you wanted it for a reason whatever it is you'd better have done it because you're not getting it again okay right so that's a bit of a weird concept so these iterator objects are a temporary device to allow you to loop and then they're finished that, that that's all they're there for so I'm picturing
0: them as this tiny little nano machine that goes crank crank
1: crank 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 i'm out Perfect. Yes, that's exactly what they are. They're, so on demand, the array spits out one of these cranks, lets you crank through everything once, and then if you want to go again, you have to ask for a fresh crank. Okay. So in JavaScript, the arguments object, which you have seen me throw into for of loops, and I've told you in a very hand-waving minute, the arguments object is like an array. The arguments object is iterable. Arrays are iterable. Strings. Are iterable. Every time you say next on a strings iterator, you get back the next character. Oh, okay. Which is actually quite useful. Uh, jQuery objects are iterable. Every time you iterate, you so if you if you use jQuery to get every paragraph on a page, the first time you call dot next, you get the first paragraph. The second time, you get the second paragraph. So depending on what your CSS selector was, you'll iterate over whatever it is you asked for. So the The objects returned by the dollar function are iterable, which is really nice, and they'll go one HTML tag at a time. So let's get practical here. Um, all of these examples, I should really write this into the show notes, are designed to be executed in PBS87A.html.
0: Alrighty, I am, and I'm going to look at them in the JavaScript console. Ooh, yes, exactly.
1: Look how pretty this is. Yes, someone wanted me to rewrite it, so it didn't have... um, What was it? You didn't didn't want the Jumbotron. Yes. So it is now Jumbotron free. Yeah, so I complained
0: about the Jumbotron because no matter what I was doing, I was always having to scroll past that giant Jumbo thing on top. Now, you still have some awfully big text there, but we'll see how it works.
1: (laughs) Yes. So what we're going to do here is we're going to actually take it... We're going to make an array... And we're going to get its iterator object, and then we're going to call dot next on it. So const my array becomes equal to open square bracket the string first val, comma, the string second, comma, the string three or D, because I got lazier and lazier as I <laughs> went along. Close okay. square bracket, semicolon, right? One array with three strings inside it. We can now make that array spit out its iterator object using a function named .values. And the only reason I know that is because I looked up the documentation. There is no standard rule that says it has to be .values. That just happens to be the way array chooses to expose its iterator.
0: Okay. There,
1: deep under the hood, there is a standard way. We're not going there because, trust me, you'll just, you'll shout at me.
0: <laughs> okay. So you've got const my iterator equals myarray.values. .values,
1: and-, and what the... The documentation tells you is that .values returns an iterator object.
0: So my iterator is an iterator object. Yes. It doesn't look very ephemeral. It's a constant.
1: Right. But the thing is, once I've called .next on it, it will have no function in life.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: So first thing we do then is we console.log myiterator.next. And you'll get back a small dictionary that says value colon first val done colon false. Now we call dot next the second time when we'll get back another dictionary value colon second done colon false, and we call dot next the third time when we get value colon third done colon false. Which I don't understand why JavaScript chose to do it this way, but JavaScript all of the official JavaScript iterators work like this. Third is the last value in the array and it says done false. The next time you call it, it says value undefined done true. Why didn't you just say "done" true last time? Uh, <laughs> right, I Maybe don't understand.
0: While it's doing it, it's not yet done. But after it's done, it's done.
1: I guess someone decided that was the way it should work, and they all—they're all consistent. So okay.
0: So it's not—it's so well, it's not empty until you take that last one out. It's after that that it's empty.
1: Yeah, but it could save me asking again. <laughs> Why make me ask a fourth time just to tell me to sod off?
0: Well, because you don't I... know yet.
1: You're I guess. There could be a fifth, right? I guess, yeah. I... Either way, for whatever reasons it was done, that's how it works. So okay. the last time around, it says value undefined done true, at which point in time, if you, you can now keep calling next forever, and it will continue to say done true, Okay. value undefined. Nothing else will ever happen. That's why the object is now useless. It, there's no way to say go back to the beginning. If you want to start over, you say my array dot values again to get a fresh iterator, and away you go.
0: Oh,
1: Huh. right. Okay. So the, once they've cycled through once, they are spent. So, you know, you can't get you can't get reborn. Well, unless you believe in it, might. Okay. Um, the whole yeah. Um. Now we can use dot next on arrays, but actually, that seems like more work than what we used to do. Well, the for of loop does all of that behind the scenes on our behalf without us having to ask. So the for of loop, if you read the documentation, says it it will iterate over an iterable. So the for of loop, you just give it the iterable. The for of loop will make it spit out its iterator object. The for of loop will make it, will call dot next over and over again. All of that gets hidden from you. And the for of loop just gives you nice, easy code.
0: Is that also true of the for in loop?
1: A probably. Okay. It's probably an iterator that probably I don't know because I haven't really been using them very much. Um. So the for of loop is designed to loop over any iterable, which means you can do for of a string and it will give you letter by letter. You can do for of. Some jQuery stuff, and it will give it to you tag by tag. You can do for of an array, and it will give you value by value. Hmm. So anything iterable from any source, you just throw it into a for of loop, and hey, presto, you can loop across it. So we could, uh, we can, to prove that we can for of over the arguments object, we could create a function, as in this example, that you can copy and paste into the console. So the function is named arglister because it's going to use a for of loop to iterate the arguments object that exists inside every function.
0: Can you remind me again what the arguments function is?
1: Uh, the arguments object is an object. So inside every function, there will be an object with the special name arguments that is the arguments that were passed to the function.
0: Oh. oh, 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 okay. Sorry. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So that exists in every function and it is iterable. Which is why we can say, so function arglister, console.log, receive the following, and then we have arguments.length, arguments. Four, const arg of arguments, console.log, arg. So if we then call our function arglister howdy, comma, duty, it will spit out, receive the following two arguments howdy, duty. Or we can call it with four arguments. Arglist or howdy, comma duty, comma boogers, comma snot. It now says received the following four args: howdy, duty, boogers, snot. Okay. So you can see the for of loop will just loop over, iterate over, the arguments. Right. Right. Nice and easy. We can iterate over a string. We can just use a string literal. So you'll see the next example. It says four const L of the string buggers with an exclamation point. Console.log, and then we're using a template string, L, beco- L equals, followed by the actual value of L. And you'll notice that when you run that, it goes L equals B, L equals O, L equals O, L equals G, L equals E, or S exclamation point. So we're iterating over a string, one okay. character at a time.
0: Just like you said it would with the for next, or with the uh, yep. next.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So behind the scenes, the for of loop is actually saying, "Dear string, spit out your iterator object. Thank you very much." Dot next. Dot next. Dot next. But it hides all of that from you and gives you nice, clean syntax. Okay. We can do it with jQuery. So you will notice in PBS eighty seven A, there is a list, a very boring, uh, unordered list with the ID jq underscore iter underscore demo. Containing first item in list, second thingy, and last in the list. Hang on, I've lost
0: you. Uh, Where am I looking? Okay. in
1: The file, PBS87A, you can visibly see in the page, there's a a heading, Iterator Demo. And then below that, it says the sample code in the installment will iterate over the list below, and then it has a three-item list. First item in list, second thingy, and last in list. Right. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. If you look in line 59 of that file, you'll see that it says ul id equals jq underscore iter underscore demo.
0: Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking at it too. Uh, opening up.
1: Well, you can. I mean, you can take my word for it or you can look at the source. Take your word for it.
0: Um, let's see. Where am I going? What line?
1: 59. 59. Okay. So that is an HTML tag which contains three thingies, right? So we can write some jQuery to pull um actually okay so what we're actually going to do to demonstrate the power of iterators is we're not just gonna list things right you can list things so the cows come home. Let's do something real world. So in our little code sample the first thing we do is we define an array containing three color classes that are actually part of bootstrap. Text-primary Text-success and text-danger. So that's just an array with three strings. We are going to randomly add one of those classes to every item in that list. Hmm. So that way when you hit when you type the command into the console, you should see first item, second thingy, and last in list change color randomly. It'll be different every time. Hmm. So four const li of dollar open parens start a quote or start a string pound sign octothorpe whatever we're calling it this weather jq underscore iter underscore demo space li end our string and end our parens
0: okay for the people who aren't also looking at this what he just did was say use jQuery to find the uh the ID JQ iter demo, which is this list of three things.
1: It is, but there's more the the the, the closing quote doesn't isn't after the O of demo. There's more to it.
0: Oh, and also that are inside LIs or All the way around. li's that you- conta no, it can't be.
1: Give me all of the LIs that are inside something with the ID jqhitter underscore demo. All right. So so that means if we look at the code, we're getting back three. Right. So the first time through the loop, LI will be the first one. And the second time through the loop, LI will be the third one. And the third, sorry, the second time the second Mm -hmm. one, the third time the third one. You get the idea. So the first thing we do is we use math.random and math.floor and our friend, the modulus operator to get a random number between 0 and 2, i.e. a random index of our array of three different colors. So I've put it in a variable called randidx for random index. And then we want to take every class that already exists inside our list away and then add a random class. So do you remember when we were doing jQuery? That every time we had a callback, I made you write dollar open parens, this, close parens. Yeah. The reason is because jQuery, when it does callbacks, it always gives you the raw DOM object, not the jQuery souped up DOM object. Hmm. And we upgrade the object, by putting it into the dollar function. So that's how I sort of described it. You give the object superpowers by passing it through the dollar function. Well, when the jQuery people went to do iterators, they took exactly the same logic they have been using for callbacks since the library was invented and applied the same logic to their iterator. So li is not a jQuery object. li is a plain JavaScript DOM object. And we give it the jQuery superpowers by putting it inside a dollar function. So that's why it's a dollar li. So it's consistent even if it's weird.
0: So if you didn't give it those superpowers, none of this would work.
1: Correct, because remove class is a jQuery function and add class is a jQuery function. So if we didn't do the dollar thing, it would just go unknown function and crash. Not crash, Mm -hmm. it would throw an error and that'd be that. Okay. So we're saying Give me the current thing that we're looping over. Make it a magic jQuery object. Then call remove class. And if you read the documentation, remove class with no arguments takes every single CSS class and throws it in the bin. So mm-hmm. our list item now has no classes. Has no And then class. we say, it has no class. It is it is trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> then we say dot .add class. Color classes, open square bracket, rand index, close square bracket. So randindex is a number between 0 and Mm 2. And our array color classes contains three color classes from Bootstrap. So in other words, we have randomly put one of the Bootstrap classes onto the list item. And then we've gone around the loop and done the same thing to the next one and the same thing to the next one because we're inside our for-of loop. So if you actually copy and paste all of that into the console, you will see the three list items change color. (gasps) That's crazy. And they'll be different every time. So you can rerun and rerun and rerun, and they'll just keep changing.
0: You have to refresh to run it again, though.
1: Uh, if you run lines five on, you can run those as often as you like. Just don't redefine the color classes. Array. Yeah,
0: that's when it gets cranky. All right, let's see. I'll do that, just that piece again. It's very exciting.
1: And it'll be different every time, so I don't know what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, green, blue, green. No green, blue, green. Oh, green red red this is fun (laughs) with
1: joys of (laughs) random numbers huh yep so we are looping with a for of loop over a list in our html page we could loop over anything we like we could loop over every paragraph we could loop over every second paragraph basically jquery does iterators
0: Hmm. okay
1: jquery is iterable Okay, that's it. We're done with that. That's all there is to iterators. You will 99.9% of the time use them in a for-of loop. But if you want to, dot .next is at your disposal.
0: Okay. Now, when I asked about for-in, you said you hardly ever use that. But when you and I were on the phone yesterday when you were trying to help me on my homework, uh, you suggested a for-in. No, you
1: did. And I was... I didn't want to dissuade you. You suggested them, and I said that they would work because they are designed for looping over objects or looping over dictionaries. I tend to use object.keys with a for of.
0: <laughs> okay, it's so clearer. we completely misunderstood each other because I was using object.keys, and I changed it to a for in loop after talking to you. So
1: Yep, and then I ended by saying, by the way, the for of over ob- with, combined with object.keys is really useful.
0: But I thought you said four in is what was introduced in e s six and it was wonderful and marvelous.
1: Nope, that's for of. Wow. i I have sung the praises of forov huh I haven't mentioned forin in a about a year, so I don't know where I invented all that <laughs> well the forin we did mention forin right we covered ForIn in for completeness, okay, but we have we didn't cover it in the redux. And you, I am certain, have come across it well. Because you've been reading so many docs now that you shouldn't assume I've told you about stuff.
0: <laughs> I sure thought it was yesterday, but I did read that it said for of is for arrays and for in mm-hmm. was for um, other kinds of objects.
1: Right. But object.keys gives you an array.
0: Yeah, but I didn't want an array. Yeah. Anyway. I might have.
1: <laughs> You may not have known you wanted an array, but I think you probably did want one without knowing it. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Okay. So that takes us to part two. The real thing I wanted to tell you about is generator functions. So an iterator object is really good at iterating over a known list, right? When you have an array, you have a thing that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, And at the moment you say, give me the iterator object, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it's very obvious what should happen. It's the same with the jQuery stuff. The same with a string. But sometimes you want a sequence that's being calculated rather than that exists.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So you want a sequence of things that are calculated. You want one, then the other, then the other, but they're not part of a li- they're not part of a pre-existing thing they're being calculated in some way and you make these using generator functions so the generator function says how to calculate the next value and through the magic of ES6 you can turn those into iterators so a generator function is an iterator factory and examples will really help here
0: <laughs> okay a generator fa- function generates iterators, mm-hmm. but we don't have anything called an iterator.
1: Iterator objects. Iterator objects. Okay. So iterables can make iterator objects. Yes. Generator functions make iterator objects. Ah,
0: okay. They both can. All right.
1: They both make iterator objects. Yes. Okay. So a generator f- function is. Almost a normal function. It takes input. It does some work and then it produces output. And for a normal function, the way it works is you call the function with some arguments, zero or more of them. A new scope is created. Your code is in there and it might make some variables and do some things. And when it's all good and finished, it may or may not choose to return a value. And then the function ceases to exist. The scope is destroyed and life carries on, right? Your function, your scope is created. The function executes. The scope is destroyed. You take arguments in if you like, and you spit one value back if you like. Is that a fair summary of functions? Right. A generator function allows you to return multiple values, one after the other. And it pauses and waits for you to come back and ask it another question.
0: Hmm.
1: So it creates a scope, does some calculation, and then at some point it's ready to yield a value. And it hands the value back to whoever called the function, and then it pauses. It Hmm. doesn't destroy the scope. It just pauses. It just sits there and waits until the next time you ask it a question And then it picks up exactly where it was. Literally, if you left it on line five, it will start at line six and it will keep going until it meets another yield instruction and it will spit out another value and wait until you ask it another question. Hmm. And it could have an infinite loop inside it, if you like. And it will just sit there and that scope will keep existing. So any variables you made will stay in existence. They'll remember their values. And every time you ask the function again, it just picks up where it left off and it has a full memory of everything it was doing before. So if you're stepping through some sort of sequence that's somehow programmatically generated, well, you have a full memory of everything you've done so far. And you can spit out a value, pause, spit out a value, pause, spit out a value, pause. Hmm.
0: What would be, you're going to give us an example. Well, we have lots of examples coming.
1: Yes, actually we do. We can, we do boring examples first, but we'll do exciting examples later. So generator functions produce, this is a shocker, generator objects. Okay. Right. So your generator function is used to make a generator object. And that generator object has two hats at the same time. That generator object is iterable. And it is an iterator. So it is both. You can hand it straight into a for of loop. And you can call dot next. It'll it it it'll do both. So You're talking
0: about the, genera- the iterator generator object created object. by object. the generator function? Yes, I am. Okay.
1: So the generator function will spit you out a generator object. And that generator object does double duty. It is iterable, which means you can hand it to for of. And it is an iterator object, which means you can call dot .next on it. You have a choice. You, hmm. you can pick or choose. Do I want to use dot .next or do I want to throw it into a for-of loop? Both will just work. Okay. Which is great. So a generator function makes these generator objects and then we can continue to ask them over and over again with .next. Give me a value. Give me another value. Give me another value. Or we can throw them into a loop and just loop over all the values. So let's look at how we actually make these generator functions. So the two things we need to know are the star character and the keyword yield. OK. So remember, I described the functions as pausing and then returning, but not really returning? Because a return is a finish, right? You know that if you write a line of code after a return statement, that line of code will never happen because return ends the function. Right. Well, yield pauses the function and spits back a value. So you yield if you're going to resume, and you return when you want done colon true. So you know the way that next gives a tiny little dictionary with a value and whether or not it's done? Right. Well, every time you say yield, done is false. And when you say return, done becomes true. Okay. So return ends a generator. Yield pauses. Makes sense. So we now have a new keyword. We can yield and then we can return. So to make a function be a generator, we stick the star symbol after the word function. So function star, my first generator. Hmm. We can give it arguments if we like. My first example has no arguments. It's very simplistic. Open close friends. Open our curly brackets as normal yield buggers semicolon, return snot semicolon. Uh, we can do exactly the same thing using the other function syntax. Remember last time we have function statements and function literals? Right. Well, the same thing. So const my second generator becomes equal to function star, open close parens, yields buggers, return snot. That's exactly the same thing as a literal versus a statement. doesn't matter. The key thing is it's function star right? Right. Function star, my first generator, or const, my second generator becomes equal to function star. Gotcha. The star does the magic. So let's let's, let's make an example, pbs87a again. So we're going to make a basic generator. The code for this is already in the file, so you don't have to copy and paste the function. The function is already defined inside the file. So it's called basic generator. It says console.log Basic generator started to execute. Then it says yield first yielded value. Then it says console.log basic generator resumed after first yield. Then it says yield second value. Or sorry, second yield, second yielded value. Then it says console.log basic generator resumed after second yield. And then it says return final returned value. So Needless to say, when we run this generator, we're going to see in the console how this pausing works because it's going to spit out what it's doing, right? That's all this function does. It just tells us what it's doing so we can watch that I'm telling the truth, that it pauses. So how do we actually use a generator? So the next, (laughs) now you've got to start some copy and pasting. So remember I said that a generator function makes a generator object. So the right. first thing we do is we say my generator object becomes equal to basic generator open close parens. So we execute the generator function to make the generator object.
0: Right, okay.
1: So now we have a generator object, so we can just console.log, it's .next. So if we say console.log my generator object.next, we see the tiny little dictionary logging. Now, before, okay. Can you just hit refresh and start over? Because I want you to watch the console to see the order things happen in. Okay. So on a fresh page, run my generator object becomes equal to basic generator. Does it log anything? Hang on. Uh,
0: I've got an empty object.
1: Right. In other words, no console.log happened. Right. So line two console.log basic generator started to execute hasn't happened yet making the object hasn't executed anything yet it's just made the object mm-hmm. now we're going to say console.log my generator object.next so now we're going to call next for the first time okay now what happens it says value first yielded value done colon false okay but before that it should have logged that oh, it was starting basic to exe- generator
0: started to execute
1: Right, so the first thing when we called next for the first time was that it started at the top of the function and executed everything until it met its first yield or return, which in this case was a yield. And when it met the yield, it spat the value back, which is what got, you know, so what we got back was our little two-value dictionary, value first yielded value done false. And the reason it's done false is because we yielded.
0: Right, but so your yield statement says yield, uh, quote, first yielded value, unquote. Yes. Um,
1: Um, And what comes out is is a dictionary.
0: Right. So you can only have one thing there and it's a string
1: after yield? No, it doesn't have to be a string, but it can only be one thing. Like return can only take, yes. So anything you can return, you can yield, right? So you can return anything, but you can return exactly one thing. Okay. That one thing can be an array. So you could yield an array as well. Okay. Right. So yield works just like return, except that it can resume. Okay. So we've called next once, and our function has now made it as far as line three. So if we hit the up arrow and do exactly the same line of code again, we're now calling we're now calling next again.
0: Now, basic generator is resumed after first yield, and now value second yield value value's done is still false.
1: Yeah. And if we hit the up arrow and run it again. You should say, oh, we've resumed after the second yield. Yeah. But and then I have it to says, do it
0: a fourth time to get false, don't I?
1: No, because I have a return in there. So it says final return value done true. As soon as I say return, it says done true. Oh. So that's the difference between return and yield. Yield says done false. Return means I'm finished. I am out of here.
0: Okay, because after it resumed after the second yield, it said I'm done. Because you because I said return, return not a yield.
1: Okay, exactly. Yes. So return will always set done to true. Okay. So that same function came into being, executed, paused, resumed, paused, resumed, finished.
0: And if I That's ask it ag- if I ask it again, it says undefined because it's gone.
1: Right. It's gone. So if we want to go again, we have to make a new generator object by calling our generator function again. So we would have to say, my generator object becomes equal to basic generator, open friends, close friends. Yeah. Huh. And then we can go again, right? We could make as many of these as we like. We could, make, we could have a loop that says, give me a hundred of these basic generators and it will make a hundred objects and we can step each one individually. And then each pause and resume, pause and resume, pause and resume. Okay. That's a good example. So a f-
0: I, I follow good. this. Excellent. I don't know why I'd want to, but I follow it.
1: <laughs> okay, well, you're going to see why we want to when we get into some examples that are a bit less contrived. Yeah. But before we go there, I want to show you that this is iterable, so we also can pass this into a for-of loop. So if you refresh the page, just to make sure we're starting clean, hmm we say my generator my generator obj becomes equal to basic generator open parentheses close parentheses. So we've made ourselves a new object. We can now iterate over it with a for of loop. So we can say for const val of my generator obj console dot log got colon and then using a template literal we say dollar val so print out the val. Okay, and if you run that, what happens?
0: So it spit out all of those. Um... Console.log saying first field or it, wait, saying returned after first yield, got first yielded value, went back and forth on
1: those. Yeah. So it exit. So it stepped through our generator object. But did it actually? So the got lines, have a look at the got line. Mm-hmm. How many were there? Only two. Only two. Because I didn't stick to the weird convention that arrays use, the for of loop, as soon as it saw the done, it assumed that it wasn't given a value. Hmm. So if you want your generator to work with a for of loop, never return, always yield. Okay. And when you get to the end of the function, that is getting to the end of a function is exactly the same as return undefined. Like, if you have a function that ends without a return, JavaScript will put in there return undefined.
0: Hmm.
1: Kind of. No, that's not complicated things. That's effectively what it does. Mm-hmm. I, I can hear Jill typing. I know, I'm <laughs> simplifying. Let me away with it. So, it, we should yield if we wanted to work in a for-of loop. Now, what else do you notice? That the for-of loop was clever. Did the for loop give us the dictionary and make us have to reach in and get out the value? Why, no, it did not. It just gave us immediately what was yielded.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's convenient.
0: It didn't do that when we... Um, I wish I could see both versions at the same time, but um, it didn't do well, that when we called them one at a time.
1: When we called them one at a time, we got our little dictionaries, value, colon, whatever, right. done, colon, false. When we do it in a for-of loop, we just got first yielded value, second yielded value. We don't see the done's, right? It's, oh, okay. it's, it's hidden all that from kind us. kind of silly. Yeah, we It needs to know that, but we don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Now, a generator function is a function. So you can pass it arguments. Just like you can pass any function arguments. So let's make a basic random number generator using... Generator functions. That seems like the kind of thing you might generate. (laughs) Okay. So our basic random number generator says function star basic or ng open parens n. So we are naming the first argument n. It's going to be the number of random numbers. Okay. While n is greater than zero, yield math.random n minus minus. That's our total function. Okay. So, in other words, if we say basic RNG 4, we'll go around four times yielding a random number each time. And then we'll finish. Makes so sense. there's a yield here, but there's no return. But again, when the function ends, it effectively returns undefined. Right. So this will just work with a for of, right? Mm-hmm. So we can say my generator out becomes equal to basic RNG open parens 5 close parens semicolon. We have now made... A generator object that will do five random numbers, and so we can say for const or n of my generator object, console.log or n, and you'll see five random numbers yeah so that's very exciting. um
0: <laughs> no I, I I actually like it. I, I see what it's doing. I think I follow
1: excellent. Now there's no reason you ever have to stop. You could have an infinite random number generator. Mm -hmm. However, never pass an infinite random, never pass any infinite generator to a for-of loop. Because what you have yourself then is an infinite loop, right? For-of will keep going until the the generator stops generating and the generator is never going to stop. Well, that's a problem. But there are actually really good reasons to have infinite loops like that it's when the user says give me the next and you don't know how many the user wants.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So you write your function that just keep giving answers as long as it keeps being asked and then it's up to the user how many they want. So it's generally for interactive interfaces is where you will use infinite generators. Hmm. So we can tweak our basic random number generator to give it some extra smarts and basically say, if you don't give me an argument, I will be infinite. And if you do give me an argument, I'll give you that many numbers. So our smarter random number generator says function star, or ng, open parens, n equals zero. So remember in our Redux last week, we learned about default values? Yeah. So n's default value is zero. Okay. So if you don't pass an argument, it's zero. So we say, if n is greater than zero, we'll do exactly the same code from before, while n is greater than zero, yield math.random n minus Mm minus. So that's copy and pasted from our basic RNG. Else, infinity and beyond. While true, yield math.random. Hang
0: on. But the default value is zero.
1: Right. So So if you didn't pass any arguments... If you don't pass it
0: anything, it does nothing.
1: No, it does infinite. Is zero greater than zero? No. Zero is not greater than zero. Zero Hang is
0: on. equal to zero. Hang on, so n, n equal to zero is the default. If n is greater than zero, do this. Else, okay, I could give it negative seven.
1: That is also not greater than zero. Right. And remember, you told me not to put function val- argument validation into my examples, or it'll confuse things. So mm-hmm. I am assuming you are not going to play City boogers.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Right. <laughs> in the real world, I would have some more checks in
0: here. Yes. But no. I appreciate it. It's cleaner. I see what you're saying. So, okay. So if it's uh, if it is zero, if it's the default value, then it'll go well, true. Huh. Okay.
1: That is the shortest infinite loop. I could, that makes sense. You can say while one, but that's hard to read. While true yield math dot random. Okay. That is that is the ultimate infinite loop.
0: So if I copy so, this in right now and then expeller Amherst on uh, RNG.
1: So there's an example below calling it with three arguments straight inside the for of loop. And that will work perfectly because it will give it three numbers and then stop. Right, So that's the first example, iterate over three random numbers. But if I then say my generator object equals RNG with no arguments, then I can use dot .next as often as I like. So you can copy and paste the second example into the terminal and just keep hitting the up arrow forever. And it will keep giving you random numbers.
0: Okay. I'm going to do that. Okay, so it doesn't really do it. It is actually sitting there waiting for me. Um, right
1: because yield pauses
0: right but it's not going to infinitely put this stuff up in there
1: unless you infinitely hit the up arrow and hit enter and hit the up arrow and hit enter as long as you're prepared to keep hitting up enter up enter it will keep giving you random numbers it will not tire it will go on forever but you you will tire
0: how many times did you hit it to be sure
1: Uh, once (laughs) or twice to be perfectly honest (laughs) I've already just done it spec.
0: seven times, to be sure. Okay,
1: yeah. Now, like I say, in the real world, you would do this with a UI. You would have a user do it, not on the console. So let's let's wire up this random number generator to some bootstrap code.
0: Wait, hang on. My generator object's still over there waiting for me. Can I just yeah, leave I it there?
1: Hit... Well, once you hit refresh on the page, it'll be gone.
0: Okay, I'll feel better if it's not waiting for me, because it wants me to hit that up arrow. I'll give it one more, just so it doesn't feel bad. Okay. <laughs>
1: This is written as non-blocking I.O., by the way. Oh, okay. So like promises are non-blocking, generators are non-blocking. And actually, if you peel away the skin on how promises work, you will find generator functions. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay, so let's make a random number generator on the page. I'm going to use a bootstrap card because it's just a little widget. So our little card, just div class equals card, h1 class equals card header, random number generator, div card body form, div class equals form group, basically standard JavaScript form that contains a button and it contains an input. I have given the button, the id orng underscore button, and I have given the input, the id orng underscore tb for text box. That way I can respond I can add an event handler to the button and I can write output into the text box. That's that's really as exciting as it's gonna get. Okay. So inside my document ready handler, I now need to plumb this UI to my generator. So inside my document.ready function, I now say const orng obj becomes equal to rng open and close parens. In other words, I am calling my generator function to make a generator object, and saving that generator object as rng obj.
0: And rng doesn't exist yet on this page, or it does? It
1: does. It It, it comes into being here. Oh, in, okay. Or, or, sorry, or, no, rng is my generator function. It exists in the page, okay. Yes.
0: that's Okay, that's what we've been playing with. All right.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the one we've been playing with. Okay. So we say, give me an object from that generator. And then, now that we have it safely saved, we just say, "Okay, we need a click handler now." So dollar open string pound sign rng underscore button closer string dot click, and then we give it the callback dollar pound sign rng underscore tb. In other words, our text box dot val rng obj dot next dot value. Ah, okay. So, in other words dot next will give us the dictionary and then we say and just jump straight into that dictionary and pull out the value key please because that's all I actually care about and then the final thing I do is just a little thing that's really good if you want people to be able to copy and paste quickly dot select will just highlight the random number oh nice so if you click the button in the page you'll get a random number and it will be highlighted so you can just copy paste and every time you click and you can keep doing it <laughs> right
0: I- I have a trackpad, so I'm just tapping, so it's not as loud as yours, but
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Actually, I should probably tap more quietly on my magic trackpad. Uh, (laughs) I don't have a mouse either. (laughs) But there we go. So we have plumbed the generator into a nice, pretty bootstrap form. Now, I would like you to notice three things. The code for that generator function is darn short and easy to read. Yeah the html for that very pretty little widget is darn short and easy to read I think and the plumbing to make one talk to the other is really very very short indeed yeah that's why bootstrap plus jquery plus es6 equals the win
0: <laughs> so which right. which part of this is bootstrap though
1: well bootstrap is the pretty yeah jQuery is all the dollar function stuff. Right. And ES6 is the generator.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. But yeah. well, we have made a random number generator using generator functions. How logical yeah. is that? <laughs> and it's infinite, right? Now, because yield is a two way street, right? Return is a one way thing, right? Return mm-hmm. Gives a value back to whoever called the function, and then everything vanishes. But yield yields a value and waits until you tell it to go again. That means that yield can accept a value as well as return a value. So when if you give, so you 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 resume a function by calling dot next, right? Mm -hmm. Well, next is just a function, so why not give it an argument? Hmm. If you do that, the value you give as the argument to .next will be spat out by yield. So you can say something becomes equal to yield something. When the function pauses, the value to the right of yield will get quote-unquote returned, and when the function resumed, the thing on the left of yield will receive the value that you passed it.
0: Okay. last year on the left and right stuff, but I, conceptually, I think I understand.
1: Right. So you yield a value out, and then when it resumes, yield can produce a value which the function can use as it continues to execute.
0: I thought you're giving it a value; it's not producing. Right, you do. A
1: value. Right, but from the function's point of view, okay. From the function's point of view, that's we are now assuming that we are now a function. Mm-hmm. No, if I'm the function and I yield, I don't know that next was involved. Right, I have yielded and I have given a value. And at some point in time, I'm twiddling my thumbs, I'm twiddling my thumbs, and eventually I'm going to be told to resume. Well, I can receive a value at that point. Okay. Right? I don't know where it came from, and I don't care because I'm the function.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: From the other side, if I'm the user of the generator, all I care about is I call .next, and .next gives me a value, but I can also give .next a value if I like to. So I like to think of yield and .next as being two ends of a wormhole. (laughs) Okay. Right they're connected to each other, what I, what yield spits out dot next will spit out, and what you pass to dot next will be received by yield, okay. so yield and dot next are intricately connected. they're a pipe that runs from one to the other, but each one only cares about itself, I guess, so when you're writing the function, you just know that yield re- accepts and receives, mm-hmm. and when you're using the generator, you know that next accepts and receives hmm. so. Remember I said that the scope stays in place, so your variables continue to exist. I can prove this to you by creating an accumulator. So an accumulator starts at zero and just keeps incrementing by whatever amount you tell it to increment by. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. That's what we're trying to... Yeah. So let us write an accumulator using a generator function. So we say function star accumulator Open parens init val, close parens. So I'm going to accept an argument which is going to be the initial value for my accumulator. Right. So we say const init val num becomes equal to number init val. Why am I doing that? I don't know. What happens if I plus two strings together?
0: They're one string?
1: Yeah. So if I take... If I type into a text box two, it looks like a number to me, the human being. But you know what oh, the computer
0: right. sees? A string. Yeah, right, right, right. I remember that from a long time ago.
1: Yeah, so the first version of this accumulator just stuck numbers out to each other and got ever <laughs> longer. It didn't add anything. Which is why this version works. <laughs> and why there's a comment telling myself why I did this. <laughs> okay. So the comment is force to number. Okay. Right. So we're saying, whatever they gave me, try convert it to a number. Now, the way, if you read the manual on the number function, if whatever they pass me is garbage, the number will be nan, or not a number. Mm-hmm. So in the next line, I say, let balance become equal to initval question mark, init, sorry, initval num, question mark, init val num, colon zero. This is our friend, the trinary operator. So do you, do you want to explain that one, or do no, you want me to? No,
0: I forget. I, I recognize it. Forget what it does, though. Okay.
1: So, nan evaluates to false, right? So, what you're saying there is, is an itval num truthy or falsy? If it's truthy, use it, right? Because we forced it to be a number. So, it's either a number or it's nan.
0: Okay. So, if
1: it was a number, the balance becomes the number. Colon means otherwise. It becomes zero. Okay. So, if you say, give me an accumulator and you pass it in the string boogers, then the balance is zero. Okay. If you give me a number, the balance becomes that number.
0: Why did you call it the word balance? I know that's just a variable name, but does it mean something to you?
1: Well, that's what we're going to accumulate, right? We're going to build up our balance.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, like a balance at in a, in a uh, credit. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're going to accumulate a balance. All right. Now, we're going to keep going forever. So while true, mm-hmm. what are we going to do forever? Okay. Const... INC BY becomes equal to yield balance. So remember I said that the yield will have a value on its left and a value on its right.
0: Yeah, the the value that's where on the I left, I didn't follow you, so...
1: Yeah. So when the function pauses, it will yield the balance. So you will get back the current balance. When the function resumes, ink BY will receive the value. So Boy, when we pause, we return all, but... the balance. Sorry, don't. No, no. okay. It's a it's an accumulator. We're going to call dot next over and over again, right?
0: I don't know what That's... we're calling dot next on, but somewhere. it's a
1: generator function. This is a generator function, so it will be stepped through, right? The that accumulator is, what a
0: is going to get next called against it.
1: We are going to make a generator object by calling accumulator, and then that generator object is going to have .next called in it again and again and okay, again. Okay,
0: right. Okay. So this says, while true, const inkby becomes equal to yield space balance. And I right. don't know what that means yet.
1: Okay. So it's a little bit backwards. When you pause, so the first time you call .next, it will do all the stuff before the while loop. It will go into the while loop, and then it will meet this yield statement. So it will yield the current balance. And then it will pause. And when it resumes, whatever value it was given will get shoved into ink by. Wow. That's why it's backwards.
0: Right. So when it, let me see if I can say that once this time. And I do not promise mm-hmm. to remember this tomorrow. All right. So That's it fine. says constant by uh, becomes equal to yield space balance. So uh, it's going to go through and do the other stuff, but now it's going to hit this yield And it's going to spit out the balance. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes back will go into Mm -hmm. ink by.
1: Bingo. That's it exactly. Okay. And then we say, okay, well, whatever we got from ink by, let's try force it to be a number. Okay. If it was a number, balance plus equals ink by num. So if you gave me a number, I'm going to increment the balance. I'm going to accumulate. And then the while loop goes around again. So we go right back up to the top of the while loop where we yield the balance. Hmm. And then we pause. And we sit there and we wait. Okay. And then we go around again. And again. And again. So every time you call dot next and you don't give it a new balance, all it will do is give you back the balance. But every time you call next and you do give it a number, it will ratchet up and then tell you where it's gotten to. Right, so it will accumulate. Yeah? There's no way for the balance ever to go down, right? It's plus equals. Plus equals. So if you give me nothing, I'll tell you what I have now. And if you give me something, I'll add it on to what I have already and then tell you what we now have. Okay. Needless to say, I plumbed it into a little GUI. So oh look, we have another little widget. An accumulator. So do you want to watch it? Do you want to watch it in action and then talk about the code, or do you want to talk about the code and then watch it in action? How do you want to? Oh, go? let's go through the action first. Okay, so your accumulator there is sitting there and it's accumulated zero. So every time you click Add, you're calling dot next, and until you type something into the text box, like no, just
0: until down. I hit the little uh, up and down arrows. That's when it But
1: well, no no, work. okay. So leave it blank I'm saying. If you leave oh. it blank, all you're going to do is get zero, 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 00000000, right?
0: Uh it doesn't seem to actually do anything.
1: Right, because it's accumulating to zero.
0: Okay. It it, it could be, but it doesn't okay. visually. Change.
1: Type t- type 10. Yeah, exactly, because adding 0 to 0 is 0. Okay. So type 10 in and hit add and then it should go to 10.
0: No, it goes to zero. If I hit if I type in 10 and I hit add, it changes it to zero. It was again.
1: To no. And my and my buddy code runner just crashed. Oh. Thought I fixed this.
0: Let's see. Hmm. If I have a number in there it adds. It, so it
1: Right, that's what it's supposed to do. So if you say 10 add, yeah, it goes straight to 10.
0: Hmm. Let me just try that again. So if I change the number in yeah. the text box to ten and I hit add, it changes it to zero because I haven't no. told it what to increment by, right?
1: Oh, okay. Just hit just refresh the page so you're starting fresh. Yes. T- okay. So right now, then the, the current balance is zero. Yes. And if you type in ten and then you hit add, then that zero should become ten because you've added ten to zero. What zero? When I do that, I click.
0: What zero should become ten? You told me to make it ten already.
1: Right, so, okay, so the one below is what you're adding up. So you're typing in how much you want to add to whatever is below.
0: Oh, the thing above, okay, that's why. So I saw increment by and a little up-down arrow, and I was hitting the little up-down arrows, and it was working, but you told me not to use that. So I didn't realize the thing above was a, uh, I could type into it.
1: Yes. Okay. So that that's a standard Bootstrap text field with an yeah. Button. Okay, so this is an input group. So whatever you type in there gets added on to the accumulator underneath, right? Yeah. So if you type gotcha, okay, right. <laughs> so you see, we keep ratcheting it up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a reset button that puts everything back to zero. Yeah. And then we get to start all over again. Okay. And if you type in garbage, it doesn't add up the accumulator. Okay, so it is doing what I said it would do. Yep. Yes. In fact,
0: it okay. says enter a number, you moron.
1: Actually, yeah, because I told that it, it was an input type number. So that's yep. HTML5 coming up and Perfect. saying, eh, excusez-moi. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So let's have a look at the code under the hood. Actually, okay. Before we do this through a GUI, we should have stepped through it in the console so you can see this working. That's, I didn't read my own show notes. <laughs> okay. So we say accumul- accumulator gen object becomes equal to accumulator open close parens. So we're not bothering giving it initial value. We're just saying, yeah, whatever, start at your default, right? Mm-hmm. So we now have an accumulator generator object. So we can see the current value by saying console.log value. Yeah, why do,
0: uh, why do you say accumulator genob.next before you do that?
1: Uh in your you sorry sure? yes your... i do you're right uh, sorry i skipped over that step so okay. remember when i showed you that nothing happens until the first time you call next yeah so if we want this to do anything sensible we need to get as far as that while loop because until we get as far as that while loop there is no initial balance
0: mm okay
1: so we're just calling next once to prime the pump okay to get it to go as far as the while loop so it can start being behaving properly i couldn't find a more elegant way of doing it okay all right i couldn't make it call itself so we basically have to do it
0: so now we can call it and ask for the value yeah okay
1: so when we do that the first time we started it without giving it any argument so its initial value is zero and lo and behold it yields zero very exciting Mm -hmm. now we call it again but this time we hand 10 as an argument to dot next so that means ink by has just become ten, which meant balance got plus equals by ten. It went round the loop again and yielded back ten to us. Okay. And if you hit the up arrow again, you'll see it becomes twenty. All right, because it went round the loop and it added ten onto the balance. So maybe now, if w. you right, yeah, okay. so now maybe past a hundred. Then it should become 110 or 120, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. way, wherever you are in the. Yep. So you can see that the yield is continuing to spit out whatever we tell it to, Mm -hmm. but it's receiving whatever we pass the dot next.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's in and out, in and out, and and so
0: that's going into that ink by that's changing ink by.
1: Yeah, so every time it resumes, ink buy gets whatever was inside those parens.
0: And that was done by because it says constant ink buy, that's to the left of the yield.
1: Bingo. Hmm.
0: That's funky.
1: It is funky, and I wish it wasn't so backwards. Yeah. Because yield balance, the balance goes out, then it pauses, and then ink buy gets its value. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so be it. So that's what's plumbed into those buttons. So if we look at the HTML code, it's a bootstrap form. It's using a card. We have an input group that consists of a text box of type number and a button. The button is of type submit. Then we have a text box. And then we have a button of type reset. And our form has an ID of accumulator underscore fm. So we can talk to the form. Okay. So again, inside our document ready handler, we say let accumulator generator object become equal to null. So we're just saying here's a new variable that we're going to use to hold our accumulator object. For now, store nothing. Then we add two event handlers. Reset. And a click handler, or a handler for submit. So when you click the reset button, it starts the accumulator again. And when you click the submit button, which is the green add button, it calls this other event handler. So what does it do on reset? It says accumulator generator object becomes equal to accumulator. In other words, make me a fresh accumulator generator object. Okay. And call uh, call.next once to prime the pump. Yes? So th- there's only actually two lines in there. All the rest is comments.
0: Um, hold that. Um, so lines you, 8 Oh, the and next after that, you call that next. That's on submit, not on
1: No, reset. no, no. On line 12, line 12 is still inside the on reset. Oh. oh, We we do it again, sure, but the reset handler starts on line 6 and ends on line 12. Well, it ends on line 13. Yeah, I guess big. what's
0: confusing me is the beginning of line 13 has the squirrely bracket, close parentheses, and then dot on submit. It goes right into on submit. So I don't see it where. It indeed.
1: So the squarely bracket is the end of the matching squarely bracket on line six.
0: So y- you've you've strung together two dot ons. I have. I don't like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's jQuery's way of doing things because I've also strung <laughs> a trigger onto the end of it. We'll talk about that in a moment. Hmm. So we're adding two event handlers here. What do we do on reset? And what do we do on submit? So on reset, we make a new generator object and we call dot next once. Right. On submit, we say let ink by become equal to the current value inside that text box with the little up and down arrows. Uh-huh. If there was, if we didn't get anything from the text box, we say that ink by is zero. Then we say new total becomes equal to accumulator generator object dot next ink by dot value. Hmm. So in other words, receive from dot next our new total, and then we write the new total into the text box.
0: So, why does um, why does the the new total disappear when you hit the reset button?
1: Uh, because the form has a if you look at the HTML for the form, it says value equals zero. So reset means start us over. So value becomes equal to zero.
0: Wait, where where am I looking in the in the HTML, HTML? snippet?
1: Yeah, so on the HTML, in line fourteen is where we make that text box, uh-huh. and it says value equals zero.
0: So, but how does it know to do that because you hit the reset button? Is that just okay. the way the reset class works? That's
1: what reset means. Yes. That, that, to reset the form means it goes back to all of its default values. So when we say value equals zero, we're telling the form what its default is. And when we hit reset, we say to the form, pretend your little bit of the page was reloaded. Okay. Right? Reset means reset.
0: I, I'm asking this specifically because I've we've had homework before where I've never mm-hmm. successfully gotten the reset to work. And that's why I was curious, what was making it reset?
1: Yeah, so the value equals is how you specify the initial value. Mm-hmm. And a reset returns things to its initial value.
0: Okay. You know, the thing that was confusing me earlier in this interface is that the output is in a text box, so I can type in there.
1: Yeah, I could have disabled it, but then it's harder to select it. I was I was in two minds.
0: Yeah, but that's why that's where I kept typing. I kept typing down there ah. when you said to type in in the text box. So the one above doesn't look like a text box because it's got the up down arrows.
1: Yes, because it's of type number, and that's up to the browser to, to figure out how to show that. Yeah. It's HTML5. That's yeah, why I didn't know. How if to... I was doing this for real, I might have added some labels and I might have been a bit yeah. nicer about it.
0: It just confused me because I could type in one and it didn't look like I should type in the other and I was doing the exact opposite of what you wanted. What was it we said about the uh, uh, making it... Uh, user-friendly, the home- being <laughs> user-friendly being hard. User-friendly is the hard part, right? Yep. <laughs> Case yep. in
1: point. Precisely. So there again we have our generator function providing really quite short and concise code for something, you know, quite substantial. We've we've added significant, significant functionality and it was not long and convoluted.
0: Yeah, 21 lines with like eight lines of either blank or comments.
1: Yeah, I was very commenty because these are examples. Yeah. So because there's no challenge for next week, I have a really cool final example, but I'm going to give you the option to have that final example as a challenge instead. So I'm going to tell you what it is, and then we're going to end with the final thoughts, and then we're going to say, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, <laughs> and then those of you who want it as an example, continue listening, and those of you who want it as a challenge, pause and come back to this when you've done your challenge. Okay. And then you'll have the solution. So, a sequence from a real world that's kind of fun to play with, is the Fibonacci sequence. Yes. Because the next value depends on the previous two values. And in a generator function, the scope remains in place, so you have a memory. So a generator function is the perfect fit for implementing Fibonacci because it's designed to, re- to pause and remember. Okay. That's exactly what we want, pause and remember. So in English, the rule for Fibonacci is that the next value is the sum of the two previous values. Mm-hmm. And to start it off, because you need a first two values, otherwise you can't start. So the rule says the, the, the next value is the sum of the previous two and you start with zero and do one. Right. So zero, one. And from then on, it's add them, add the previous two, add the previous two, add the previous two, off to infinity and beyond. <laughs> so the challenge is to create a little bootstrap UI where the user can click a button and step through the Fibonacci series. And because it's a series, rather than having one number update, why not have it list them one after the other, after the other, after the other. And every time you click the button, the list gets a little bit longer and shows you the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one.
0: Ah, that sounds fun.
1: It does sound fun. So we have now revisited all the different kinds of functions that we're going to talk about in this series, right? So we've learned about function statements. We've learned about function expressions. We've learned about fat arrow functions. We've learned about async and await recently when we did promises. We've now learned about generator functions. So we have done functions. Next week or next time, we're going to do jQuery objects and DOM objects because they're extremely related. DOM objects are what JavaScript provides natively and jQuery gives those DOM objects superpowers. So a jQuery is like a wrapper around, imagine it like a Superman suit. No, 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 not Superman. Iron Man suit, right? The guy inside isn't actually a superhero. He's just a guy. So the dumb object is just an object. Perfect. And sometimes but, a woman. And sometimes a woman, indeed. So jQuery is like the Iron Man suit. It gives an ordinary dumb object superpowers. So the two are completely related to each other, right? The suit on its own is useless and you know what's his face uh, the, the, on his own is uh, Stark on his own isn't all that special really he's a bit of an egotistical loon really <laughs> he's a bit clever I suppose <laughs> but the two together is powerful so anyway that's that's where we're going next alright
0: so that will be that will be Redux
1: that will be Redux good yes good so Auga Auga spoiler 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 <whistles> if you want a challenge
0: <whistles> there you
1: go you're very good at that. Actually. I have a
0: special talent.
1: <laughs> so if you want a challenge, you should now not be listening. Okay. For the rest of you who want an example, let's go. So in order to do this efficiently and nicely, I am going to make use of all of the powerful technologies we have learned. We are going to use Bootstrap to make a nice UI. We're going to use jQuery to make it all come to life. We're going to use a mustache template to render our little numbers. And we're going to use numeral.js to format the numbers so they're human friendly. You I had, had fun with
0: this, stuff. didn't you?
1: I may have done. <laughs> I may have, may have spent far too much time on this, but it was good fun. I got sucked in completely. So the very first thing to do is the maths, right? So the next value in the Fibonacci series is the sum of the previous two values. So let's mm-hmm. do that. So let's make a generator for Fibonacci. So function star Fibonacci, open parens, close parens, opener, curly brace. The first thing we do is we're going to make a variable for storing the previous state. And as per the rule, we're going to start with zero. So let prev equals zero. Then we immediately yield prev because, well, that is the first value in the sequence. So yield it. That's easy. Then we need a variable for the current state. Well, let's start it at one because that's the rule. So let cur equals one. Yield the current value. We have now yielded zero and one. Now we're off to infinity.
0: Can I already ask you a a dumb question?
1: It's not dumb. Ask away. (laughs)
0: Uh, What is yielding going to do? Isn't that going to stop the whole thing and pause and sit there and do nothing?
1: Right. So the first time you... Yeah, because we're going to step through the Fibonacci sequence. So the first value from Fibonacci is zero. So it should pause.
0: Okay. And you're going to say, give me another number, and it's going to give you one.
1: Correct, because that's what it should do. The second value in the Fibonacci series is one. All right. And then we go into our infinite loop, where we're going to keep pausing... I was so this, loop, just
0: spitting out the numbers indefinitely. You're, we're going to step through.
1: Right. The, a you. generator function is designed to step through because remember, yeah. this is going to have a UI in it and the user is going to be in control not us. We don't right. know whether the user is the, you know, the OCD type. who can't stop clicking or if the user is very you know, judicious or whatever. So we're now into the bit of the English where it says the next value is the sum of the previous two values. So we can implement that quite easily. We say, while true, const newVal becomes equal to cur plus prev. Right. We now have our new value, but if we don't want this to go horribly wrong, we need to update previous to current. So we say prev becomes equal to cur. Then we say cur becomes equal to newVal. Yield cur.
0: Couldn't you have just said prev equals cur? Oh, no, you can't. I see why you had to to do it like this. Okay. Mm
1: Got to get the order right yeah. or you stomp on yourself. Yeah. I may have stomped myself a few times.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So that's it. That implements the English. And that's almost all comments, actually. Mm-hmm. So prev equals zero, yield prev. cur equals one, yield cur. While true, new val equals cur plus prev. prev equals cur. cur equals new val, yield cur. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is the graph. We have implemented Fibonacci from English to JavaScript, in very little code. Yeah. We can play with it in the console if we like. We can say const fibgen becomes equal to Fibonacci open close parens, and then we can just keep calling dot .next over and over again. I'm going and to assume
0: go, we were supposed to open PBS 87b?
1: Yes, we were. Should I be getting Thank a you.
0: reference error can't find variable numeral?
1: No, that implies that somehow numeral dot do oh, Sorry, I fixed that. It'll work inside CodeRunner.
0: Oh, okay. I'll just open it up in CodeRunner. Uh, and, and by I the need time to... somebody, they hear this, it'll probably wor- be working in the download.
1: It will, because on line 82, you will find that it says script src equals slash slash cdnjs.cloudfair.com. That'll work fine if this was on the web, where that would be HTTP or HTTPS. But if you're just opening this in Safari... That will be file colon slash slash and you do not have a file on your computer called cdns.cloudflare.com. I do not. Oh, look, which is why you're getting...
0: And now there's a blue zero on the page when I opened it up. Yeah, so, so what I'm going to before do... I asked it to do anything.
1: Well, that's because of jQuery, right? We brought know. it alive. Yeah, we haven't seen the jQuery yet, right? Okay. It won't be magic in a moment. Is oh, what I'm okay.
0: Saying. I got you.
1: So the first thing I want to bring your attention to is the HTML for the little, the little generator box. Again, I'm using a card. Cards are extremely useful. The so div class equals card, h1 class equals card header, Fibonacci stepper, div class equals card body. We make a form. We give the form the wonderfully imaginative ID fib underscore fm. We make a, a form group for the button, which is the next button. Mm-hmm. We then make a form group for a paragraph which has class form text, so it's properly formatted, and we give the paragraph the id fib underscore out. That paragraph is going. Yes, it is. That paragraph is going to fill up with our little Fibonacci's. Okay, and then we have another form group which contains a button, type equals reset. So that's a reset button. Mm -hmm. That's it. So we have a button for next, a text box, which sorry, not a text box, a paragraph. And we have a reset button. Uh, We've given the form an ID. Uh, Actually, sorry, our first button is of type submit. And our other button is of type reset. So the form has an ID so we can attach our events straight to the form. We don't have to attach our events to the buttons. We can just stick it on the form.
0: Oh, oh, is that what you did on the previous one?
1: Yes, it is. So because
0: That's why you could string them together.
1: Yeah, because they're both on the form. Okay. Right? So the form has a submit and the button is of type submit and the form has a reset and the button is of type reset. So HTML magically takes care of that. Right. It has the advantage that if you just hit the enter key, you submit the form. So my code will work without you clicking the button. Hmm. If I add it as a click handler, it'll work fine if you click the button, but it won't work fine if you hit enter. And I have a feeling assistive devices will often submit the form rather than clicking the button because, well, that's what you're trying to do. So you're better off adding your handler to the form so that assistive technology works as expected.
0: So you're saying I should be able to hit the enter key and it'll step through?
1: Well, in the previous example where there actually was a text box, right? There's no, there's nowhere for you to hit enter on here.
0: I thought this was supposed to be hitting next and it it wasn't. Okay.
1: Exactly. But next is of type submit is what I'm saying. So next is submitting the form. On a form which has inputs, you can also submit by hitting enter. And I'm saying that assistive technology will submit a form for you by whatever triple tap while rubbing your feet or something. Okay. I mean, you're better than me at the assistive technology stuff. But you could. there are like gestures to make the form go.
0: Yeah. Okay. But in this form, so it doesn't matter- in this new one that you've done, for the Fibonacci stepper, stepper, the enter key doesn't make it go.
1: Because there's nowhere for you to be to Entry hit in text. Yeah. Got you. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, but the I'm point is,
1: when the form submits, we will do something. And when the form resets, we will do something. So uh, we're okay. tying our event handlers to the form.
0: That's okay. what I'm saying.
1: Got you. And we gave the paragraph an ID so we have somewhere to shove our numbers. Right. Uh, we're all, what we're going to shove, I've made a template for using Mustache, and I've embedded the template straight in the document using a script tag of type text-html and given it the wonderful ID fib-num-tpl. Okay. To make it stand out, I have decided to use the bootstrap badge component. And what I really want to happen is that the current number should be easier to read than the previous numbers. It should stand out because otherwise it's not obvious when you hit the button that something has changed. Mm -hmm. This I discovered by doing it and it not being obvious. (laughs) So I've decided the way I'm going to make it stand out is twofold. I'm going to make it change color. So the current one is going to be using uh, badge-primary, so the blue color by default in Bootstrap. And the previous numbers are going to be badge-secondary. And the current one is going to be big, and the other ones are not going to be big.
0: Yeah, I want to see how you did that.
1: Okay. Well, inside my mustache, we simply say span class equals h four. Well, that'll make it big. Span class equals badge, badge dash primary, fib underscore val, fib underscore val underscore current. So we've given it four classes: badge, badge primary, fib val, and fib val current. And fib-val-current. then we have our mustache.
0: Bell current.
1: Where did that come from? I made them up. And you haven't done it yet? Well, I, I have done it there. I have just invented them by typing it right there. They don't do anything. Okay. But I made them exist. Okay. Right? As soon as as soon as I say class equals, they come into being. They just have no hmm. effect until I do something with them. Okay. So I could use them in some CSS, which I'm not going to do. Or I could use them in some jQuery, which I am going to do.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: The point is, I've made those names up. They're names for my use, right? When Mm -hmm. I make up a class name, it's just a name I've given something which I will then choose to do something with. If I want to, I guess I don't have to, but then it just seems wasteful. And then we have a mustache with num. So my view is going to have a variable named num. And then we close off our two spans. So it's basically a big badge. Okay. So now we're ready for the jQuery to tie this all together. So inside my document ready handler, the first thing I want to do is I want to go fetch my template. So we say const fibnum tpl becomes equal to dollar sign and then the CSS selector pound sign fib underscore num underscore tpl dot html. So that's the standard code for pulling that template out of that script tag with the ID fibnum tpl. Right. Then I'm going to make a variable to store my generator object. We don't have one yet, so I'm going to say let fibgenobj become equal to null. Just a placeholder. Mm -hmm. To save myself copying and pasting a lot, I am going to make a variable to hold a reference to that paragraph we're writing all of our numbers to. So const $fibout becomes equal to and then the CSS selector pound sign $fib underscore out. In other words, give me the thing with the ID fibout. We just save that. There you go. We have a variable. Now we're ready for our event handlers. So $fib underscore fm. So in other words, give me $pound sign fib underscore fm. So give me the form with the ID fib fm. And then we have an event handler for reset. So on reset function. Fib obj becomes equal to Fibonacci open prints, close prints. So
0: it's starting it over.
1: Starting it over. Fresh new generator. Right. So this is the reset event. Empty the output area dollar fib out dot empty the jQuery function empty does exactly what it says on the tin
0: so that's something you didn't have to do in the previous one,
1: right, because reset takes care of it because when you reset a form, it goes back to its defaults, but a paragraph
0: oh doesn't empty okay
1: so the paragraph isn't a form, right yeah, so okay. yeah when you reset the form, the paragraph is completely oblivious, so Got I it. have to do it myself,
0: yeah, that makes me feel then we,
1: <laughs> good. Now, there's no point in having nothing on the screen. So the next thing I do is I say dollar this dot trigger submit. Hmm. So remember I said earlier that inside jQuery, inside all the callbacks, this represents the current thing, but it has no superpowers until I pass it into the dollar function. So what we're saying is the form, fib form, trigger submit on that.
0: So that's only gonna happen when you hit the reset button.
1: Yes, but don't okay, to reset we want to do all those things and we want to show the first number. We have right. a whole other event handler still to come, right? Which is for the beginning. No no, so reset I am saying, okay. We will start this off. For now, when you click the reset button, I want to do these two yes. I want to do these three things. Yeah, I don't know how I it wanna... gets
0: there in the first place, but this well, this so makes I... sense for the submit.
1: You're right, exactly. So we're. I can't tell you two things at once. I, I'm not in a superposition. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so the we next can do event a black handler is right.
0: superposition.
1: <laughs> so we now have our form now knows how to reset. The next thing I need to teach our form is how to submit. So on submit function const newVal becomes equal to FibonacciGenObj dot value. So Make it yield a value, please, and store that yielded value into newVal. Okay. We now use mustache to turn that into our nice badge. So mustache.render, our template, and then the view object, num colon numeral newVal.format 0,0. zero. So numeral is our library for formatting numbers. And zero 0,0 means give me those nice comma separators every thousand, please. Hmm. Because the Fibonacci series is exponential. So you very soon end up with more than three digits, and I find it really hard to read an eight digit number without commas. <laughs> right? So all of all that does numeral new file dot format zero, comma zero is it will nicely format the number with those commas we Westerners like. If I was in Belgium I would say zero dot zero. Because the Belgians and most of the Europeans use the dot to separate the thousands. And the comma to separate the decimal places, just to confuse the hell out of Americans and English people and Australians and Canadians.
0: So everything from, so you've got uh, mustache.render, you've got fib num tpl, that's our template, comma, and then everything inside the squiggly brackets there, that's all the view.
1: Yeah, what a big view. One key value pair, num. Okay,
0: except the second one you made it real long by writing numeral, parentheses, newval. So you took newval, made it into a numeral, and formatted it with zero comma zero. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So really, num is now a pretty version of newval. Okay. Now here's the magic you were asking me about. So we need to unhighlight all the previous values before we add the new one. So we say dollar, and then we pass it in a fairly long CSS selector, which we'll break down in the moment, comma fib dollar fib out. So do you remember what happens when the dollar function gets two arguments? The first one is a CSS selector, the second one is a dollar thingy.
0: Yeah, this is where I always get lost. We 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 talked earlier today the second one was look for list uh, it was looking for list elements that had that CSS selector. So this one must be the other way around because it's got a comma.
1: So Right, w- so this is two arguments, so it's two things, right? So the first thing is the CSS selector. So pause that for a moment. And the second thing is where, so the first one is what to look for. Mm-hmm. And the second one is where to look. And if you don't give it a second one, it looks everywhere. Okay. So if you, if there's no comma, it means look everywhere. And if there is a comma, it means look here.
0: Okay. And the, and then what you put dollar fib out, that was your, um, that was your empty text box area. There's a little paragraph, paragraph that all this stuff. Paragraph, yeah. right. So mm-hmm. your CSS selector, though, is .fib underscore val, .fib underscore val underscore current. So that's saying mm-hmm. it's got to have both of these CSS selectors?
1: It has to have both these classes. So classes, it has to be class sorry. equals fib underscore val and fib current. In other words, the one that needs to be unhighlighted is the one that is both one of my numbers and is current. Hmm. Right? That's the one that needs to be downgraded. Right?
0: So, are there things that are FibVal and not FibVal current, but are inside FibOut? There will be when it's right. got the well, new one,
1: right? So, the first time the answer is no because there's nothing there at all. The second time there'll be one that needs to be downgraded and a new one. The third time there'll be one that needs to be downgraded and two previously existing. Oh, models. gotcha,
0: gotcha. Okay, okay, gotcha. Once you get but to the code, three, has to it, just it has always to work.
1: Doing that. Yeah. So we're saying give me the one that is both one of mine and is current because it needs to be downgraded. Right. So what do we do? We remove class badge-primary and fibval current.
0: So we're telling it so, don't look like current anymore.
1: Precisely. So that that okay. that class is now gone along <laughs> with badge-primary. Poof. That's cool, .add Bart. class <laughs> I love it. Excellent. This is why I love jQuery. Let me say add class badge dot dash secondary. So now it's gone gray, right? It was blue. Now it's gray. Uh-huh. Now it's stuck inside span class equals h4, which is making it big. How do we make the h4 go away? There is a CSS function I did not know existed until yesterday called unwrap, Ooh. which takes the nearest parent and throws it away. The nearest huh. parent is that pesky h4. So we just unwrap it, and we're done. Wow. Okay, you said earlier was
0: I, you liked that I was uh, recognizing pretty code. The, the mm-hmm. beauty of this is is enjoyable. I am I'm again can't, probably can't do it myself, but I, I appreciate this. That is really yeah. tricky.
1: Yeah, but amazing what we're doing there in four lines of code. Right? Yeah, it's actually all one line. I've just broken it up into four because otherwise you'd be scrolling forever and cranky. Right. The semicolon is just one of them at the end. Mm-hmm. So we've now unhighlighted the previous value. So the last thing to do fib out.append newval HTML, which is what we got from mustache.render.
0: Ah, right, right, right.
1: So it goes on the end. And then the very last thing, so that's the end of our event handler. So we've now added a reset handler and a submit handler. And then we say trigger reset.
0: Wait, why? So we just got done making it.
1: Right, but we don't want the page to be blank until the first time you click the next button. We want to click the next button for you.
0: Okay, but when so you, you did were it saying, a how do time won't this trigger a reset again?
1: Well, no, this is okay. This is inside our document ready. The document becomes ready exactly once. So when the document becomes ready, create a reset handler that defines the handler but does not execute it. Add a submit handler that defines the handler but does not execute it. Right? On reset means do this when the form resets. But the form hasn't reset yet. So that code has not run. On submit says this is what you do when someone submits the form, but no one submitted the form yet. That's why you trigger a reset. Hmm.
0: I'm gonna have to. You know the way way a function.
1: Okay, when I write a function it doesn't execute until I explicitly it. Yeah. When I add an event handler it doesn't execute until the event happens.
0: Right, but when I do next I'm not I shouldn't be triggering a reset.
1: You're right that I I may have misspoken.
0: No, 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 I'm I'm interpreting. You didn't say that. Okay, if, good.
1: If... I'm saying reset. So in other words, when the page loads press the reset button the reset button starts us over so the reset button makes a fibonacci empties a paragraph and clicks submit once
0: well and triggers a
1: reset no 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 on reset finishes up at the end of line 11 it triggers a submit it doesn't trigger a reset if reset triggered a reset we'd have an infinite loop reset triggers a submit Right?
0: No, not right. On it is right, and it works. No, um, I can't see it. On reset, trigger submit. On submit, trigger reset.
1: No, it doesn't. No, 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 no. The submit ends with the squirty bracket.
0: On what line? Twenty
1: nine. Line twenty nine. The squirty bracket ends the submit. The trigger is part of the document ready.
0: Okay, so the trigger reset is only on document-ready. That's the only time? Yes. Ex- okay. Yes.
1: I don't know why, but okay. Well, otherwise the form would sit there until we click No, the I understand works. why
0: you're doing it. I don't understand how that only exists in the document-ready handler.
1: Well, okay, so everything in that code snippet is inside the document-ready handler, right? That's what I said. So mm-hmm. if you look in the file itself, it's line... 127 in the file itself and you'll see that line 127 is inside the document ready handler which starts on line 89 so that happens exactly once when the document becomes ready
0: okay so I, in I'm, english I'm not used to seeing these things all strung together as one long command that's a little
1: what's that's the function chaining that jquery is so fond yeah. of so I, I, I everything you google in jquery has function chaining which is why i sort of feel i have no choice but to the function chain i mean
0: i can to, see to, its value okay all right so dot trigger reset that only happens once the mm-hmm. the on reset function happens when you reset and on submit yes. that one happens when you submit yes okay all right i think i got it
1: so, what do we do when we reset? What do we do when we submit? And now reset. And that way, when the page loads, you don't have an empty page. You have one, it says zero. And when you click next, you get one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, 34, 55, 89, 144, 233, <laughs> 377, 610, 987. And finally, we get to see the value of all that numeral stuff, one comma, five, nine, seven.
0: I was going to try really hard to only hit it once just to irritate you, but I can't. I have to keep clicking.
1: <laughs> of course you do, because then you going to see what Numeral.js does. I mean, you have to see that. Now what's What's really
0: cool is you've taken a, a technically, you know, people would consider the Fib- Fibonacci sequence a highly technical subject, but in 166 lines, which includes uh, a whole lot of comments, so it's probably less than half of that, and it does the whole thing that is that is yeah. beautiful
1: yeah and because of the power of bootstrap jquery mustache and numeral it's our code isn't full of the minutia of how you comma separate numbers mm-hmm. our code isn't full of the minutia of how you actually navigate the dom jquery does that for us mhm yeah so the, or the these tools parts. Yeah, so we get to do we get to say what we want, and the 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 donkey work has been done by others, and we get to piggyback on it, which is why bootstrap is called bootstrap, right? It lets you bootstrap, you, you know, put yourself up by the bootstraps. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Well, my voice is pretty much at the end of its tether because I've unfortunately had my first winter cold. So it happens to coincide with my flu shot, but I am wise enough to know that the two mm-hmm. are not related. It's just post or go proctor hock. <laughs> because literally I was the last man standing in the office. Everyone else in the office had got it first. And I was like, <laughs> I wondered that this flu shot protect me from. No, it didn't.
0: Before we close out though, I said earlier that we talked about black holes and, and, um, uh, superposition. We talked about wormholes and superposition. I didn't want to get any correction.
1: Well, One could argue that a
0: wormhole is two black holes connected together. Possibly. We just watched uh, Interstellar last night, and and I kept, uh you know, it was important to keep those distinctly separate from that movie.
1: I have not yet watched that movie. I believe it's actually quite good, and they got actual science people onto uh, it. Kip, uh what's his name? Kip Thorne. But well, Kip Thorne is is, is is when it comes to black holes, he's like the guy.
0: Yeah, he's the guy. He's who consulted on this.
1: There's some, I believe, there's some
0: love put- stuff that gets a little stupid, but if you can forgive that. It's actually really, really good.
1: I'm a big suppy guy at heart. Give
0: that. <laughs> yeah, then you'll you'd really like it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, this was this was cool. If uh, there's a chance, I will remember to try to uh, put a timestamp where that uh, spoiler was.
1: Ah, that'd be really nice. It would. I mean, be. Well, I'm going to fix that typo and the great thing about the fact that the show notes are now or the all the examples are now in git means i just have to put in the https <laughs> colon you can do it save live while they wait. <laughs> i'm just doing it live and now i open my git client and i just hit uh it's i just push that up to to github and it's done
0: cool so the next person and to download won't run into the uh questionable numerals situation
1: precisely as soon as i commit this it, off it'll go and um, by the way if anyone's curious my favorite git client is git kraken it has a cool icon and it's a really nice client
0: <laughs> very good all right Bart, well we will um see you in a couple of weeks which i we're getting close to christmas we'll see what happens there
1: yeah the things may, we may get a bit imaginative in our timing but <laughs> sometime in the future we will talk again and until then, it is very important that everyone know what is it they're supposed to do. Happy computing. That's the one. If you learn
0: as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon. You can donate via PayPal or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.